and welcome to the Feel Good Brands podcast, the show that shines a spotlight on brands that make life better. My name's Sarah, and on this month's podcast, I'm joined by James from Quinola Mothergrain. Hi, James. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. Very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Great, great to have you. So here at Feel Good Brands HQ, we're always really excited to chat with brands that are disrupting markets in such a positive way. So we've been really looking forward to meeting you and hearing more about Quinola. So we will jump straight in um, with the questions, if if you're happy with that. Sure. So just to begin with, for our listeners, can you give us a brief intro on the beginning of Quinola Mothergrain and what inspired you to set up the business? Yeah, sure. Um, so I spent the first 20 years of my life as a fund manager uh, in finance, so not the uh, the vampire squid variety, but I think uh, really enjoyed that. Um, but with obviously the financial crisis uh, about 10 years ago, uh, there was a voluntary redundancy program. Uh, I decided to stick my hand up in the air, took the check uh, uh, with the idea of saying, well, for the last 20 years, I've helped rich people get richer. And it would be great to help uh, poorer people get richer through their own hard work. And so it was that in mind that I took my three kids out of school, uh, Alice, George and Oscar. And off we went traveling with my wife for a year with the idea to set up a fair trade business. Um, so I'm lucky enough to speak fluent Spanish. So uh, we thought, OK, probably the best place to start would be Latin America, where you can actually speak to everybody. Um, so off we went to Latin America and we went uh, all over the place and we went down today in the Amazon uh, going to meet Brazil nut harvesters and it was in Peru that we came across uh, quinoa or quinoa depending on how you want to pronounce it for the very first time and we thought wow this is really good I'd never heard of it never tasted it and uh, we all thought it was a bit better than the staple of overcooked pasta and uh, blackened potatoes (laughs) Uh, So we thought, it was a really tasty food. Uh, So I looked into it a bit and uh, realized it was a total rock star uh, from a nutritional point of view. And so that's where we thought, okay, right, we've got the product now. So let's set up a fair trade business around quinoa. Uh, And that's how it all started. So so a bit of market research, a bit of on the ground research, but uh, it was uh, all, all, all fairly fortuitous. And you, and you were doing all of this, James, with the family in tow. I mean, that is that is awesome. Mind-blowing. Well, I don't know. I think I probably saw more of them in that year than I've seen them since. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get and that. And sometimes Oscar at the time was, uh, was just tur- when he was still under three, probably turned three uh, by then. And sort of, got, I remember carting him around for sort of hours in the Amazon in sort of 100 degrees humidity. In, and a, in a backpack. <laughs> On my shoulders, yeah, and absolutely killing me. Um, so, but yeah, no, it was an absolutely wonderful time uh, and uh, really fortunate to have been able to spend that amount of quality time with my family. So, uh, no, that was a really enjoyable year. How, how incredible. So, James, you're incredibly passionate about defining how positive impact from businesses can have on, on consumers and your desire to make the world a better place. Can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners, please? Yeah, sure. So um, I think we've tried to encapsulate everything we're doing in uh, two words. That's about as much uh, bandwidth as you get with consumers these days. And so we would classify ourselves as a radically generous business. And I think that's just the world waking up to the fact that capitalism as we know it today 
is pretty dysfunctional uh, on uh, many levels. Um, so if you look at our four core values, um, obviously we're a food business, so taste is is primordial. Um, so I think we've nailed it on taste with multiple awards. Uh, um, so we're pretty confident on that. But I think there where capitalism has is, is, is really failed the consumer, the planet and the people is on uh, three things. So one is health. Um, I think a lot of cheap food is being sold in supermarkets, which is pretty awful for you. Um, I think people are just starting to turn around their packs and look what, what in it, what's in them. But if you look at the obesity crisis, the diabetes crisis, that's all to do with the poor fuel we're putting into our bodies and people are being fooled by sort of high sugar, high salt, high fat products that taste great, but are really pretty bad for you. So it's a bit like sticking in really bad fuel into uh, a car or an aeroplane, I suppose. So we're all about trying to do food that tastes great, but is also good for you, healthy. So really good, healthy fuel for your body. Uh, I think the second thing we're looking at is obviously uh, the ecology. So obviously food is uh, man's second biggest carbon footprint after uh, tra after transport. No, it's about the same as transport, but after energy. Um, and so I think if we're going to do anything about man's ca carbon footprint on this planet, then food is a pretty essential thing to be looking at. Uh, and obviously there's been lots of talk about the carbon footprint of beef or meat in general versus vegetable proteins. Um, so I think there's there's two things to look at there is we're not vegans, uh, we're very much flexitarians. I think uh, you can enjoy uh, meat, but we probably shouldn't be eating it twice a day or three times a day in some people's cases. It's not great for you uh, from a health perspective and it's clearly really not very good for the planet or the animals uh, that uh, uh, put through that system. So basically trying to eat organic, uh, pasture-fed, uh, free-range uh, meat if you're going to eat meat and definitely eat a lot less of it. So uh, probably our grannies would be lucky to get a Sunday roast and that was their meat of the a real treat. Uh, we're now getting, uh, oh, well, in the news, obviously chlorinated chicken because oh, they're yeah. such horrific circumstances. Um, I mean, it's illegal to grow OGM uh, food in Europe have a pretty much all our battery farmed animals are being fed OGM soya, uh, which is basically Amazon rainforest being cut down uh, and just sprayed uh, with really toxic chemicals that kills everything apart from the genetically modified soya, which resists these really nasty chemicals. Um, so, and, and they're herbivores as well. They're not even supposed to be eating grains. So it really mucks up their system. And we've seen pictures of those cows with their, those hubs uh, going through through their sides. It's, it's, so that, it's wrong on so many levels, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, uh, and I think we sort of speak to a lot of farmers. And I think a lot of farmers are aware that spraying their crops as intensively as they do is not good for the soil, not good for the micro uh, life in the soil either, whether that be worms. We've seen plenty of stars showing like insects populations crashing. Um, so that's obviously why we're pretty much most of our products are organic. So it's all about organic farming, which is a lot more sustainable. Our farmers in Peru and France practice uh, crop rotation to make sure that they give the chance the soils uh, time to breathe uh, and leave them um, vacant for a few years to really just let, let that soil recover. 
Uh, and in France, we do have a single application of pesticide, and that's just so we don't lose half the crop. Uh, so that's unfortunately a bit inevitable relative to the climatic conditions of France. But I think there's so much we can do from an environmental perspective uh, through what we eat and how we grow it. Um, and then I think that the, the last sort of real leg of what we're trying to do is all about social justice. Um, and it's pretty appalling. I mean, we're, we're members of fair trade. Uh, all our proving quinoa is bought uh, under fair trade terms. Something like one in two people that are starved to death every year are farmers. Um, and that's just wrong, isn't it? Uh, so, all, so wrong. Yeah. We, we all buy milk. Uh, a lot of people buy milk and dairy farmers who are getting up every morning at five, going to bed every evening at eight, working seven days a week. And they really struggle to make ends meet. I mean, you've got ridiculous suicide rates because they're in debt. And he's going, how did that happen? How can we all be buying milk? And the guys that are working their guts out aren't even getting a minimum wage. Um, Because there's something wrong in that supply chain. It's all about, I will buy so much milk that I can squeeze you down for 1p. And that's all about social justice. And I, I think so we're really, I think we guarantee our farmers minimum prices, guarantee them uh, premiums and I think it's just saying okay well we're all going to be eating this stuff and everybody in that supply chain should be treated fairly and it's not because I'm bigger than you or you're bigger than me that you should be trying to do me over it should just be a, a, a fair and reasonable way of sharing that value across the whole supply chain um, so I think that's what we're trying to do in what we call a radically generous business uh, along those four themes of uh, obviously taste because it's food uh, but health, ecology, and ethics. That that makes so much sense. Just in terms of sort of channeling your energy and creativity into helping the poor get richer, to, to use your words, which is just, is clearly so important to you personally and at the sort of, at the very heart of the business, which is just refreshing and very, very inspiring. Um, can you tell us, James, a little bit about um, the Generous Revolution and your inspiration there? Yeah, so, well, it's, it's all about being a little business with no money. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to be doing uh, TV campaigns and tube <laughs> campaigns, but uh, unfortunately, my bank manager doesn't like me that much uh, and won't be giving him the money to do any of that. Uh, so I think it's all about uh, how you create uh, mass with little and that's all about building tribes. So I think there's lots of people from lots of different areas uh, in food, outside of food, that really believe in part or all of what we're doing. So, And if we can all group together, uh, I think it's just uh, a bit like if you've ever read Jane, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, an incredibly powerful book of how just by banding together, you can suddenly create mass and create a counterbalance to the bigger guy. And it's really about that is trying to get like-minded businesses uh, from all walks of life to just say, okay, if we all chip in our pound, then there's going to be lots of pounds and we can actually be heard and start to have influence. Whereas if we're all shouting in our little corners with little voices, then it's going to be a lot harder. So um, I think that's, that's the idea. We're just trying to get together like-minded consumers and businesses uh, and try and speak with one voice and be heard. Uh, and I think we're seeing some incredibly powerful movements like the sort of the environmental movement with all the youngsters going out 
And that's one person that's creating a worldwide phenomena and is starting to be heard. And it's just fabulous to see these guys haven't got a single penny of marketing budget. Uh, and they've probably got more airspace than Coca-Cola. So that, that's what you can do when you can build a, a, a tribe of people that all believe in the same thing and do something about it. It's about creating that groundswell, isn't it? And and kind of sharing, passionately sharing in in a in a common goal and a common purpose. So that is that that's super super exciting. Wish you the very best of luck yeah, with the very beginning. That, so uh, hopefully, yeah. uh, we're actually do, currently doing a, a Cedars uh, crowdfunding run. So hopefully, we're looking for a, a whole load of movers and shakers that uh, will join this generous revolution and. Uh, get the ball rolling and obviously speaking to lots of other businesses that are doing the same sort of things as we're doing and uh, just trying to get some mass from all of that. I'm sure they'll be keen to jump on board. Thank you for talking us through um, your generous revolution concept. Um, so James, just to move into into, into brand um, really and, and the, the marketplace kind of, uh, I guess, away from Peru and a little closer to home. So the health food market is 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 busy um how do you achieve standout um with within the market so i think there's obviously one of the key role roles uh, as a small product is packaging uh, just mm-hmm. what you like on shelf so i think we've got some pretty nice packaging now we're currently in the process of rebranding to get that uh, radically generous message across a lot clearer um so that will be one key element of getting that uh, message across and I think it's also just about uh, proselytizing, uh, speaking to the press, doing podcasts like this. Um, I think what we're looking to do is disrupt the very big rice market. Um, so rice is, is is not a bad product per se, but it's pretty nutritionally empty. It's mostly fast release carbs uh, and not very much else. Uh, and saying, so, okay, well, not saying give up rice, but maybe one every 10 times you have rice, switch out for some quinoa. And that's full of fiber, which is obviously good for digestive health, uh, slow release carbs. So if you're going to have a plate of it and then you sit down on your butt on a seat all afternoon, as most of us do now in our sedentary lives, then that's going to be a lot better for your waistline because uh, it's not going to go straight into the bloodstream. It's going to be slowly released. um, So that doesn't turn into fat and it's complete protein. So it is exactly the same protein as you'll find in milk. Uh, So again, in terms of this sort of just cutting down on meat and replacing uh, animal protein, which is the only complete protein apart from quinoa that's uh, out there, uh, then you can you can actually get your protein fill uh, in an identical way from quinoa without having to worry like sort of vegans do. You have to be really careful about balancing pulses and grains and vegetables to make sure that you get all of those essential amino acids. Um, so it's a bit of a for idiots like me, makes makes it a bit simpler of, of, of getting that protein fill. We, we all need simplicity, don't we, though, and convenience. I think, you know, we're all on the go, and I think that conven- convenience, simplicity, just making it easy, but sort of trying to minimise the expanding waistline and just trying to be as, as wholesome and, and as healthy as possible. Exactly. And that's why we obviously sort of, I remember sort of I was in Selfridges, actually, when we just launched and we were selling our quinoa grains and quite a few people saying I'd cook some up, I think, with some butternut squash in the oven. And 
that would something out and got got through most of our stock in Selfridges. But there's a lot of people said, well, listen, mate, I don't I don't cook rice anymore. So the day you come out with that in a microwavable sachet where I can't overcook it, can't screw it up, <laughs> I'll buy it. And I thought, okay, we'll do that then. There's obviously a, a market for There's that. There's your idea. <laughs> So there we go. So we went from uh, having three grain products to uh, now we've got a range of about, we've got nine uh, microwavable quinoa products, which uh, is fabulous. So it's ready in, well, instantly if you can have it cold as part of a salad or in 90 seconds heated up in the microwave uh, as a part of a side or, or, or whatever you want to do with it. So I think it's, again, just reducing that barrier to trial and entry. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows what to do with a pouch of microwavable rice. So if you've never really used quinoa, you're not sure, quite sure how to cook it, or uh, bless a cotton socks, my sort of mother-in-law, who still can't cook rice, and you're just going, <laughs> buy some microwavable rice, please, because it's going to be a lot nicer rather than the sludge you <laughs> cook to the bottom of the pan. Then, buy the microwavable quinoa, uh, for sure. And can't screw it up, so... <laughs> You can't possibly go wrong. So off off your nine, so the nine um, products that you've got at the moment. No, the I'm nine just, microwavable pouches, sorry. Sorry, the nine, the nine, the nine yeah, pouches. We've got about um, products today. Okay, so I'm kind of, I'm sort of making the assumption that they're mainly targeted at adults, at grown-ups. But what about the kid, the kid market? Yeah, so we've got three kids' products, uh, which actually won the best uh, organic toddler food at uh, range at the Love by Parents Award this year. Which oh, is really nice congratulations. Uh, which you can actually buy in about 200 Morrisons today, and obviously on places like Ocado. Um, and that's just uh, aimed not at babies, but at toddlers plus. So anybody yep. that's having solid food, uh, they give you one of your five a day. Uh, and again, we're all busy. Come back from work. You're going, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, is it going to be a frozen pizza or, um, I don't know, uh, fish fingers? Ooh, or wait, let's yeah. just start, stick that up for 30 seconds in the microwave and you've got uh, a great way of getting vegetables uh, into your toddler. Um, so I think that was one of the insights which led us to, to launch those is I think a lot of, uh, young parents really struggle to get their kids to eat uh, vegetables. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for example, our Mediterranean quinoa is a bit like a sort of a spag, a vegan spag bowl uh, in terms of flavour. It's got lots of courgette in it. Um, I think if you put a bit of courgette on front of most toddlers' plates <laughs> or young kids' plates, they go. Ugh! Yeah. Not- uh, but it's all disguised in a in a spag bolly type taste. It's all about <laughs> hiding those veggies. Exactly. It's almost day to eat. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, congratulations on on your award as well. There, that's that Thank that you. sounds great. And and just briefly going back to you mentioned the rebrand. So yeah, we're excited about about seeing your your new packaging and the and the new brand do you know do you have any timings as to when when we might start see, seeing that in yeah, store hopefully we'll i mean there's obviously quite long lead times to getting this all done um we're currently doing some last testing uh um in terms of just that working out what the reptilian side of our brain thinks about various messaging and what's mm-hmm. what order the messaging needs to go on so these aren't consumer panels these are just really on your mobile work and you say yes no would you buy that would you buy this 
So it's getting that sort of unconscious reflex, which you're on when you're on a supermarket journey, you're just going down the aisle half a second, if that, when you look at it. And that's how you've got to, yeah. to, to get that message across. Um, so we're doing the testing on that. But we'd hopefully get uh, our first lines out, so probably Q2 timeframe. Okay. Uh, yeah, so relatively soon. Cool. Uh, there'll obviously be a delicate balance of working out how much packaging we've got left at the time once we finish it off, uh, how much it's going to cost us to reprint it. So when yeah. it is the least financially painful, but it's... Uh, that's what's penciled in anyway, sort of a end of first half of next year. Hopefully we'll start seeing those on shelves. And they're really, uh, some really great work that a young uh, creative just in, in London has done for us on that. So I think some some pretty funky stuff. So cool. you probably get a very brief preview on Cedars, actually. Not very much, but a very brief preview exciting times we will we will keep an yeah. eye out we look forward to seeing the new packaging and um, which james can you tell me which platforms do you find to be most effective when it comes to engaging with with your audience so i mean that's laura that looks after that for us today so mm-hmm. i'm a bit of an old fuddy-duddy the uh, flat worlder so i do a bit, <laughs> bit, bit, bit of social but not very much um and i think we're getting the most success on instagram uh in terms of engagement uh so i think our engagement levels are about from off the top of my head about four percent uh on that which is per post which i think is quite good relative to community uh obviously it just depends on the size of your community uh so that's just maybe the followers we've got on there but we're obviously going to be spending once we've done this fundraise we're planning to uh invest a lot more money in social media um as you know it used to be quite organically driven uh now it's a pay-to-play type of model yeah um so if you want even your followers to see your posts then you got to pay for it um it's, so, a, yeah. it's a brutal but, environment, but yeah, an, an important one to be to be playing in. Exactly, but when we're spending sort of ten quid a post or twenty quid a post, uh, you probably do a bit more than that. Um, but you obviously got to have money to do that. So uh, it's, uh, it's, well, it's a balance. It's, it's a, a balance, balance for sure. Yeah, you can do a bit more of that. And just briefly, just back to the market. So how we we're always kind of interested to. Uh, discover how certain brands obviously and, and products compare to um, their competitive set so how would you say that you compare to other similar sort of premium brands such as Merchant Gourmet um, well obviously I would say this I think we're better products uh, so of course it sits at two quid on the shelves or sits at two quid on the shelf apart from its organic and fair trade uh, versus conventional products so I think getting a better product uh on taste, that's obviously something that is uh, personal, but I think you're probably getting a better value offering uh, with our products simply in terms of what's in there. Uh, and I think we're a, a bit like you probably wouldn't buy your pasta off a generalist. Uh, I think as quinoa becomes a more established category and a more established product, then you're probably going to be buying your quinoa of people that do that and die by that as opposed to somebody that's got that as one of their, one of 500 products they do. Um, so I'm mean, think Merchant Gourmet was a pioneer in this in the UK, so hats off to them. Uh, I think they've done a, an amazing job. Obviously, Uncle Ben's and Tilda have jumped in there as well. With like Quinoa, big on the front of the pack. It's actually got about between 3 and 5%, so you wouldn't know it looking at the front of the pack. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's basically a rice product. 
Uh, reason being is quinoa costs about 10 times the price of rice. So obviously mm -hmm. guys are looking at their Excel spreadsheets and gross margins. So they don't want to put too much of that in, but they're quite clearly communicating it very strongly because uh, they think it's what consumers uh, want. And I think by just being specialised in this in this product, then I think that would be our ambition would be to be sort of the Uncle Ben's of the quinoa space. Um, and I would hope that we do it bloody well, because if we didn't, then uh, we wouldn't be around for very long. Indeed. Uh, whereas if you're one of a multitude of products and they've got one or two or three quinoa SKUs, if those just disappear, it's not going to make any difference to your business. Um, so probably the amount of love you put into them is, is a little bit less than us, uh, where that's all we're doing. Yeah. For the top being, I think we're, we're hopefully broad, branch out into the wider plant protein market as time goes by. But I think there's plenty to be doing in this space uh, in multiple category verticals. So we've just come out with our first healthy snacking products. So as opposed to rice cakes, uh, pulses and quinoa cakes. Um, so you can get those in Holland and Barrett uh, today uh, and on the card as well. Uh, we'll be rolling out a second skew with uh, black and brown rice with quinoa uh, into Holland and Barrett in about a month, I think it is. Um, so basically, oh, exciting thing you can do with this this grain. It's a super versatile grain, marries yeah. flavour, um, and there's so many different verticals we can enter. So I think we've got a lot of work to do before we've exhausted the possibilities of the quinoa. Before exhausting the quinoa. I mean, it's super versatile and yummy. And good for you. I mean, what is what is there not to love? Exactly. Well, apart from how to pronounce it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so quinola mother grain. Is that, exactly. That's all. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I'm used to going into health stores and uh, so have you got any uh, quinoa? And they go, well, I don't think so, darling. What, what about like, quinoa? <laughs> quinoa. Oh yeah, yeah. And vice versa. So um, it's a bit so, like. It's just about knowledge and, and educating, isn't it? It's just about kind of hitting people over the head with that with that yeah, word just, again yeah, and again. Just, yeah, I mean, I've, I, mean I, I happen to be based in Paris. Um, so I'm in London every week, but uh, I'm based in Paris. And you'd find it rather strange if I said uh, I lived in Paris. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you don't pronounce it the French way. You like, pronounce it as written in English. So, so, yeah, I don't, so I'm, the quinoa is obviously how you pronounce it in Quechua, which is the uh, language of the Altiplano. Uh, so all the indigenous people up in the Altiplano, ah. about 4,000 metres, um, they all speak Quechua. And that's how you pronounce quinoa. Um, so obviously the, the first people that were talking about it were probably travelled out there and that's why they called it quinoa because that's how they'd heard it pronounced uh, in the Altiplano. Um, I think as it goes mainstream, we're probably going to start pronouncing it as written um, because there's no way you'd guess that Q-U-I-N-O-A was pronounced quinoa. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> sort of need to, need to have it written out dictionary style with the little dashes in between it. You could, yeah. Oh, I just think it's confusing. Yeah, yeah. Keep it, keep it simple. Keep it straightforward for the, uh, for, for the punters. Um, yeah. Final question, James, because I promised that we wouldn't uh, talk for, for for too long, even though there's obviously so much to, to chat about. So what is your favourite product from the Quinola Mother Grain range? Uh, I, I'm actually a big fan of the kids' Tex-Mex. <laughs> so it's, 
it's uh, something's a really good sort of little snack almost uh, to have. It's like full of corn and red beans, and it's a bit more saucy than our um, L- little our, bit spicy, like, but not too spicy no, for the not kids. Not spicy at all. No, it's for kids, so not spicy, but it's uh, just really nice and flavoursome uh, recipe. So that's that's my personal favourite. But there we go. Thank you for sharing that, and we're so looking forward to um, disco- well, not only seeing the new branding, but also discovering the uh, the, the snacking on the go offering as well. That yeah, sounds. You you walk into any Holland and Barrett, and you can get it now. Oh, awesome! We will be we will be down first, down the road. The first skew is in there already. Oh, well, congratulations on that, thank James. You um, thank you so much for chatting to us today. It's been really great to meet you. Um, and we wish you and the Canola team lots of continued success um, and your mission with the Generous Revolution as well. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, Sarah. Much appreciated.